Welcome to our podcast today with Independent Schools of St. Louis. I'm Jamie Driver, Executive Director of Independent Schools of St. Louis, and I'm thrilled to be joined by three wonderful members of our independent school community. And I'm going to let them each introduce themselves as we get underway. Uh, So tell us, you know, uh, what school you're from, what role you play at your school, um, and uh, and anything else you'd like to share. But uh, Vicki, why don't we start with you? Sure. Hi. Uh, thank you, Jamie, for inviting me to participate. My name is Vicki Thurman. I'm the Director of Student Support Services at MICDS. I've been um, really blessed to work here for over 15 years now, and um, my background is as a school psychologist, and I also have worked as a learning specialist and a counselor in here at the school. Wonderful. Melika. Sure. Uh, I'm Melika Paneri. I'm the Director of Educational Technology and Innovation at the Wilson School. I've been here uh, well over 20 years now, and um, it's just a fantastic place where I get to um, integrate technology into all facets of life here that really transform the learning for the students. So it's it's pretty fun. Uh, there's never a day that's the same. <laughs> Great. John Pierre. Sure. Thanks for having me, Jamie. Jamie. Uh, My name is John Pierre Mitchum, and I am the Director of Equity and Inclusion at St. Louis Priory. I'm also one of the form masters, which is our old English way of saying assistant principal. Um, I I am beginning my fourth year, and it has been um, a really good experience so far, just getting to know the community in my role as Director of Equity and Inclusion. I also have a background as a licensed counseling therapist. Um, so that that comes in handy as well uh, when working with um, our community as it relates to equity and inclusion and also comes in quite handy in navigating the nuances of being an assistant principal. So glad to be here. Great. Well, thank you all. Well, today's topic is uh, given that we're in August and everybody's heading back to school now. Um, really wanted to spend some time hearing from each of you and because you all bring such unique vantage points and differing perspectives on on really what makes a successful back to school time period for our students, for our parents, um, and frankly, for our faculty as well. Um, But thinking about as parents are getting ready to send their students back, uh, from your vantage point, what are some of the most important things parents can do to prepare their students to have a successful year this year? Uh, Vicki, you want to start us off? Sure. Um, one of the first things that comes to mind is, is supporting them with routines behind the scenes, the habits of mind, the habits of health. Those are the, those are the biggest parts. Um, sleep, making sure that we're getting them on, on good sleep schedules. Sleep is when your learning is consolidated. It's when your healing happens. It's, it's such an important part of, of life. So getting them on a good sleep routine, which as they get older, older, really becomes more difficult, I know, especially with those teenagers. Um, but then also making sure that you are a support behind the scenes to help them find balance. You know, the academics, you know, while it's a certain priority in independent schools, it's really important them to have balance with activities as well as athletics and, and their health. So making sure, and then making time for social, you know, so the balance across the board. Wonderful. Jean-Pierre, what would you say to that? question. No, I, I think I would piggyback on on the importance of sleep. I think um, we all know that during the summer months, uh, <laughs> the sleep schedule can can be out of whack a little bit. 
Um, and so I think for parents just to ensure that that balance that um, Vicky just spoke about, particularly uh, with regard to their sleep schedule is absolutely essential because, you know, that is that that is the part of the body that that we're exercising uh, in the experience of learning. Uh, and we don't want our students to uh, have that brain fog or or the stress uh, chemicals, if you will, that that comes along with lack of sleep. Um, in addition to that, I would I would say um, just talking to your your students, your children about any anxieties they might have uh, that may center around social things. Um, you know, for many of our students, they haven't seen their friends in quite a while, so there may be some anxiety. Am I still in the same position socially in the group, or or not? Maybe helping them navigate that. Uh, maybe set up some meetups with their their uh, friends. Uh, in a way that's comfortable for both families um, before school starts to kind of break that ice uh, so that they're not feeling so anxious going into the first few days of school. And Malika, what would you say? You work with a younger student population. What would you right. add? Yeah, so we start at three years old. So uh, absolutely routines is something that I would emphasize as being very important, of course, with the sleep as well. Um, I think, you know, we're doing a couple things to kind of ease back into a successful start of the year. We have the students come back on Friday and they do get to see their friends and see their classroom, but it's not a school day. You know, it's just a back to school visit, a quick kind of thing, break the ice. Um, it's not the routine, but it really does foster some of that, you know, lowering the anxiety that you might have about the first day of school. Um, the other thing with our age is, you know, they don't control a lot in their own world. The, a lot of decisions are made for them. So telling them the routine, having them help plan the routine, their scheduling, um, reminding them of all of the things where all the adults here are doing to keep them safe. And I know they have more worries this year than other years. And some of these kids have never been to school that come to us. So um, it's, it's all very challenging, but you know, it's such a warm, nurturing environment in an independent school that it usually turns out really well. Wonderful. So what, um, what role do you all see parents play in general as partners with you in the education of their students? And, and kind of piggybacking on that too, kind of describe the partnership that parents have with you. And then what do you like to see, how do you like to see parents best support their students through the year, whether it's with homework or managing social lives or you know, dense schedules in the case of high school? Um, so kind of a two-pronged question. Uh, who would yeah. like to start? John Pierre. Yeah, I would just say that, I mean, we cannot do what we do without parent and, and parental support. Um, I think we've all witnessed over the course of the last year um, just how important it is for us all to extend grace and empathy to each other. And I've been able to observe just the positive effects that that, that has had on our teachers here. Uh, at Priory, just and, and it can be subtle notes of appreciation or you know small gifts, but it it really does make a difference in terms of um, giving teachers that energy to persevere uh, through these challenging teaching times. I think also parents really help us out uh, when they are staying abreast, and I know a lot of times parents receive a lot of communication from schools <laughs> and you see the email come across and it's just like you tune it out. But if, if 
as much as possible if, if parents can just sort of stay uh, in the loop with those uh, communications, especially as it relates to uh, safety procedures and things like that that are very important these days. Um, and then, you know, a lot of teachers, even though we most schools are coming back in person, um, a lot of a lot of schools are still taking the approach of what if we need to go virtual within a 24 hour time span. And so a lot of teachers are still designing their courses um, on various digital platforms. And so if teachers can make sure they're in the loop with that is, I mean, I mean, parents can make sure they're understanding the various digital platforms that teachers are using. I think that would be helpful as well. One of the things, yeah, one of the things I would add to that, I, I appreciated what you shared, John Pierre. Um, you know, parents are choosing independent schools for the warm nurturing environment and also for the expertise that the faculty, the administrators, the support staff bring to the table. So um, before you hit send on that email when you're, you know, your child is upset or frustrated or before you, you know, pick up that phone, take a deep breath. Think about what it is that, that you need from that person, what it is, what feelings you're bringing to the table. Um, we all are anxious coming back into this year. There's so many unknowns with COVID. You know, we thought we were through it and then we're getting this wave. I think one of the biggest things is we are all in this with the best of intentions and, and really want what's best for each child and each family. And if you can enter into every conversation with knowing that and expecting that in return, it's going to help us be partners no matter what. You know, there's going to be things that come up that are really positive, and we will share those with you, just as if things come up that are, you know, not, not as good on, on your end and something you need to communicate. If you can just keep that in mind as you communicate with us, um, you will have full partners. And, and that's one of the things I really appreciate about colleagues, not only at my school, but other independent schools that I've had the, the privilege of partnering with is everybody really um, is truly in it for what the best interest of each individual child is. Absolutely. Malika? Sure. I would add, as far as supporting their students during the school year, um, I think it would be important to not overschedule them and to give some of that downtime to, uh, you know, foster boredom or however you would like to describe that situation. I think in elementary school, we are all the parents are skating this fine line between um, helping your kid and fostering their independence. Like how much do you help? Because yes, a second grader may not be able to get themselves organized and get their executive functioning going and really have it together yet, but you want them to get there and you can't do it all for them. So that's that's uh, something that the parents help with a lot because that's something that needs to happen at home. Of course, we have organizational times and things at school, but at home, that's important too. And then as far as you know what role they can play, I think I think it's really nice in an independent school that it doesn't matter if you have a super busy parent that doesn't have too much time or you have one that has a lot of time that they'd like to to offer to the school. There's always a place for them to do something. Maybe you know, we've got this committee for beyond the classroom. So all the things that happen outside of the classroom and there are some parents that are, you know, great coaches, or maybe they run a certain camp, or they really have an expertise in those areas, and they're able to partner with us in sharing some of their ideas or um, help lead us down the right path. And so it's it's been very nice to have um, that support and partnership with our families. Melika, you brought up a good point when you're thinking about um, 
you know, not overscheduling. I, I keep thinking back to when we were in COVID and in the lockdown, you know, just a little over a year ago and how quiet things were and we weren't scheduled and people were missing it. But I also heard from so many families about, oh my gosh, I valued that time with the family and, and being able to actually just pay attention to each other so much, right? And so that's one of my hopes is, as we're coming back into a more normal, somewhat more normal school year, at least, that we can figure out what that new balance is for us, that we don't overschedule ourselves because overscheduling doesn't just happen at the younger ages. It happens at middle and then it just ramps up in, in upper school when you add in the athletic schedules, you know, both in the school and out and things like that. So, so that's the other thing that I would say that parents can really do is, is help really be those guide rails for parents so that they can help their children make clear decisions and not put in their head, you know, I'm going to do everything, right? What, what's the number of things that really realistically they can do at once that they're not going to run themselves ragged and get themselves behind on sleep and all those other things we talked about earlier? I think it'll be, it would be nice to see some of that was happening because of like societal pressure, right? All the other parents yeah. are doing this, that, and the other. And I hope that I haven't heard a parent that didn't say, oh, it feels so good for things to slow down. That was too much. What was I doing to myself? And what was I doing to my kid? Why were we doing all that? So I, I know it, it does seem to have been picking up again already. I've got two kids of my own and yeah. I hope yeah. that, uh, at least only gets like halfway there. I don't want to get back to how it was. Mm -mm. I, I was thinking too about um, over helping, especially mm -hmm. with the with the little ones. I think what would be helpful is because uh, you know, like with the little ones, if they can't read something, you just automatically, you know. And so, just resisting the temptation to do that, so that kids begin to develop self advocacy skills mm -hmm. um, that are tremendously useful within the educational context um, mm -hmm. and not expecting people to just, you know, come in and just help right away, but them figuring it out or going through the process of problem solving and then being able to articulate, hey, I need your assistance in this situation, I think is huge as well. Yeah, I think uh, we try to encourage parents to be there to listen to that, right? Listen, tell me your problem, but by the end of you telling it to me, we hope you perhaps have thought of your own solution. Right. You're not going to solve it for you. But maybe yes. go get that stool to reach that thing on the top shelf or whatever you need to do, climb up there. But you, uh, you do have a lot of um, things you can do for yourself yeah. at any age. D these three-year-olds are mighty independent here. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and parents help, yeah, parents help too much, and then it does become them solving the problems for their kid instead of them becoming problem solvers for themselves. So that's really important. You know, one area that I imagine parents wrestle with a little bit, and some of you referenced this in terms of last year in COVID when we had to be all virtual and technology all of a sudden played an outsized role in, in our lives and our students' lives and parents' lives, um, you know, with all the virtual learning and Zoom and uh, but but now that we're heading back into what may look a little bit more like a normal year, um, uh, how can parents be most helpful in, in managing their students' use of technology? And I know this is different according to age group, obviously, but, you know, that, that fear that parents have that, oh, you know, my child's spending still, you know, 10 hours a day on the computer, some of it, how do I know if it's for school or not? How do I know if they're not using it appropriately? Or how do you... Um, suggest parents can help for themselves and their students achieve that right balance with this whole use of technology now that it's becoming even more uh, a central part of our of our lives and in and in the classroom. 
Any, Malika? Sure. Yes. Yeah. So this is something we have a lot of sessions with our families um, on digital citizenship, safety, all different things. Those are those are we have speakers in. I present. We have uh, you know just discussions with them, and I think you know we go to twelve years old, so that's not too different than. By the time they're 12, you know, they pretty much act like they're a teenager. So um, I think something very important that you can put into practice in your own house is you're using technology in more of the public spaces of your home, right? You're not in your bedroom, your door isn't closed, you're not you know, on the top bunk doing whatever you want up there, you know, have it in the living room, have it in the kitchen, that's fine. But the other thing that we need to kind of get away from is, you know, in the beginning days of letting students use technology, it was all about screen time. Everyone wanted to know how many minutes should I let my child be on here? My pediatrician said one hour and that's it. So that's the end of that. Um, that's not exactly where we stand now in 2021. It's more about what are they doing on that technology? If my son is FaceTiming with a friend, because guess what? He can't come over. They're not vaccinated. They're not old enough yet. If they're laughing, making a video together, creating characters in a game, those things, I am going to allow more minutes for that. That's okay. Um, and you know, it's not rocket science to find out what they're doing on there. Simply ask them, sit next to them, play with them, download the apps they want to use. Um, I think a lot of people want to use, you know, a, a site or an app or a screen time monitoring. And and I'm not saying I don't do that. I certainly, when my son got TikTok, don't get me wrong, he was like into the TikTok. So he actually came to me and said, could you set a restriction on my TikTok so I don't do it all day? And I did, and he's never said a word again. So the conversation just needs to be there. It needs to be open. The kids yeah. absolutely need to know that everyone, all of us on this call, every adult in this world has a problem with using their tech too much. This is not a child problem. This is a human problem. So I think um, all of those things go a very long way. Yeah, absolutely. I was, yeah, I, I couldn't have said it any better. I think um, modeling. <laughs> because it's not just a, a kid problem. It, you know, we, we are all, I mean, these devices are designed to, you know, keep our captivation, keep our attention. And, you know, a lot of times our, our, our children are taking cues from us. And so I want, I think one of the best strategies is to figure it out for ourselves and to model healthy and appropriate technology use, and then be vulnerable and have that conversation as, as Malika said about, the you know the the pros and the cons of it like it's not it's not the bad big bad wolf uh, it has a lot of benefits um, you know to our lives but it it can be a double edged sword and just to be able to talk through that so that when you get to the point where you have to set some parameters uh, they understand why and they understand that it's not all it's not all bad it, it that you set some parameters too much of anything is not a good thing right. Right. Um, and so just having that real conversation with them, I think, lays a foundation to be able to set some things up in your home, whether it's common spaces or, you know, time limit uh, or, you know, um, screen time, whatever, whatever you decide to do, you've already had that meaningful conversation. So they understand where it's coming from. Right. No tech times, you know, no, no phones at the table, whatever it is, you know, you need to do for, for the routines at home. The other thing um, that I was going to say is um, when it comes to the modeling piece of it, it's also 
modeling that thinking that you do. You know, so often we do self-talk when we're thinking through, do I need this? What do I need to do? I need to put a, a limit on this. You know, modeling that for the kids and how you make decisions on what you're using or not and, and how you're using that time and, and um, talking that through with them can be really helpful because it shows them that you're being intentional and in, in, in what you're choosing to do or not. I will say I have two teenagers and one of the best ways that I've found to know what they're using or not is to be like, okay, I heard, you know, this is where it helps to work in a school, right? Because if I heard about this app and, you know, the kids told me about what, what, what do you know about it? Like, show me, I downloaded it. How do you work it? And just act really, you know, maybe I can figure it out, but let them kind of show it to me. And then they usually will end up revealing to me a little bit about, oh, I know this person's doing this or, you know, so that can give me a little insights into what else is going on out there and what I can talk to them about. Um, the other piece is, just being natural with your conversations with them about it. If you hear something in the news regarding something on tech, or you, you know, you hear it about another one, you can, another app that's come out or, or something that's out, just bringing it up and saying, do you know about this? You know, and just, just doing it as part of natural conversation really helps it become less of a, I'm going to tell you what to do and more of a, we're in this together kind of conversation. Absolutely. Um, I just want to switch gears just for our last couple of questions. Um, you know, we've we've referenced, of course, COVID and and you know what what that has has brought to all of our lives in, in terms of additional stressors for all of us, adults and and, and students and kids alike. Um, how how will your schools um, you know work to support families and and what suggestions do you have for families who may have students who are experiencing anxiety or fear or even grief in some cases as a result of, you know, what's taken place these last 18 months. How, uh, what would you say um, about that? Um, one of the things that I would say is that um, I can't think of an independent school that doesn't have support folks willing and eager to know um, what's going on and to help with the students. So I want parents to know that you know, not telling us isn't helpful. You know, it's also, it's much better to give us a heads up that something's going on with them. We have counselors, we have our advisors. We, you know, it's, it's not just the counselors, but anybody here at the school, advisors, faculty, coaches, anybody really wants to support the students. And if that's going on, we can be positive supports for them and help develop um, good relationships and help them find better coping strategies so that they're not feeling like they need to hold on to that or try to leave it at the doorstep, which just never works at school. So, um, so them knowing who it is that, that they can, that can be there to support them um, is, is really key. And I would just add that, you know, because of what we've all experienced, there, there has been a national push uh, in terms of prioritizing, not that it wasn't a priority before, but prioritizing the mental health of our students uh, in, in both public and private schools. And so we, we are taking measures to be even more intentional in embedding these um, standards, if you will, or just lessons within and throughout the school day, not just in our advisory system, uh, but supporting them throughout, knowing that we probably have no idea just how this is gonna impact our students for years to come. Um, and so we're, we're, we're doing the work to support um, our young people in terms of their mental health. And I would add, um, you know, we can, we can help remind students and families that in some ways we've been preparing them for, we didn't know what kind of disaster or issues you'd have in life, but, you know, a coping mechanisms, you know, we have a mind, mind 
wellness program here at Wilson that we've had for over a decade. And we have different counselors that come in and work with the kids with courageous conversations and really work with the group dynamics. So they do have some of those skills embedded that they've been learning since they were three. And you just kind of have to tell them, hey, it's time to pull those tools out. We need them right. now. And right. yes, you need you may need additional support, but you do have a baseline of how you can try to take care of some of the things. Right. I mean, I'm thinking our, our lower school, the responsive classroom techniques, when we've had other things that have come up that have brought emotions to the forefront, how often we've, we've gone to our routines of morning meeting just for sharing and, and using the routines that are built in just naturally because we know it's the best thing to do for the students and, and those things will you know support them through stress and anxiety as well. Um, the natural advisory spaces and, and what the teachers do to build those communities in each and every classroom. And then um, the increased emphasis on, on mental health that we all, you know, for, as a society need to do, but then especially in the independent schools. I can't think of a school, uh, I've spoken to many counselors here in St. Louis um, in the independent school world, and everybody is having the focus on mental health this year. So yeah. I, I really know that, that people will be in good hands and we're watching out for every student. Yeah, and those are those are the internal uh, frameworks that really provide a sense of anchoring and and a sense of um, settledness for both our faculty and our students. So it's really cool to see. Right. Absolutely. Well, I just want to end with one final question. Uh, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about you know parents and um, how they can best support their students. You know, as you think about um, if you had a group of students sitting in front of you. Um, what would you want to tell them about, you know, we've talked about, I know, Jean-Pierre, you mentioned self-advocacy, but what else would you want to tell them or emphasize them about how they can have the best start to the school year and, and uh, really step off the year on, on the right foot? I often tell the new students here, try one new thing, make at least one new friend, and be okay not knowing who you are because I can tell you, you know, I've been in education for, you know, as a student and, and working in there for many years, and I still don't know exactly who I want to be when I grow up. So it's, it's okay to be on that journey and figuring out and, and things will change and you have many people who care about you. So, but, but putting yourself out there and being willing to take a, chart a new course or try something new is, is one of the biggest ways that you can figure out really who you are. I think for me, one of my main messages is to affirm who they are and um, and their abilities. And so I often just share with them that you have what it takes and it's a yes and you have what it takes and you have to use what you have. So whether that's just the practical resources of a planner or as we were talking about earlier, self-advocating and, and making sure you connect with folks who will assist you with whatever problem you're having, whether it's a counselor or an advisor, uh, but you have what it takes and you have to use what you have. That's my message. You know, we have a school motto here. It's my motto. That stands for make your mark a good one. And I think uh, it's it's very easy to go to that for for many things and this this is one of those examples you know enjoy your time together if you're three years old you can make your mark a good one maybe you maybe you handed someone a paper towel maybe you held the door for them if you're 12 maybe you're out there you know starting a small business or help a nonprofit or something there's a lot of course in between those things but you know explore your curiosities your passions figure out those things that help you um 
get excited about your life and your days at school and your friends and everything else. Awesome. Well, that's wonderful. What a fantastic way to end uh, on such a positive note. I thank you all so much for being here today. You all gave us so many wonderful things to think about and uh, really appreciate your time today. Thank you.